0: You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast. To increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits.
1: Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. Now, it's a new month, so that means a new topic. And December is all about content marketing. We've got five content marketing episodes coming up for you. And in those, we're going to be diving into both what you can do on your own site and the content marketing you can do elsewhere. That's going to include PR, outreach, so guest blogging, guesting on podcasts, working out who you should be talking to and building relationships with. We're going to be getting into user-generated content, blogging, imagery, and of course, the overall content strategy too. Throughout these episodes, there are great ideas for businesses, both large and small, um, because content is one of those things which no matter how big or small you are, the processes are very, very similar. In today's episode, we're going to be kicking off with blogging, the ins and outs of how to create a successful blog. We're going to talk about strategy, we're going to talk about how to write, what to write, and much, much more. Now, we're just about to meet today's guests, but before we do, please check out the sponsors. your free account. That's klaviyo.com/masterplan. Today I'm chatting with content marketing expert Finn Glover. Since 2011, Finn has been helping businesses to tell their story. Most recently, that's led to him founding Matcher, a blog system developed specifically for D2C and e-commerce businesses. Hello Finn.
0: Great to be here with you, Fay.
1: It's great to have you here too. And to be talking about a topic that, I know blogging is something I've done for 15 plus years now, but I'm never sure if I've done it right or wrong. So I'm, I'm personally hoping to learn quite a bit from you today as well. But before we get into the blogging stuff, how did you get so into the world of content marketing?
0: Oh man, well, um, kind of by happenstance as it relates to blogging and e-commerce, but I, out of college, started a company called RootsRated.com, and it was a publishing business. So we created 10,000, 15,000 articles about the best places to go um, for hiking and trail running and climbing all over the United States. And that effort, which was three or four years in the making, um, basically taught us what it meant to be a publisher. And we learned what it meant to create content at at relative scale, um, distribute that content, um, measure and analyze the performance of that content, and it taught me a couple of things. I think one, it taught me um, that my then advertisers would rather have me help them with content than they would help me, than they would uh, put banners on my website. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I also learned that a lot of businesses just really struggled to set up publishing infrastructure in a way that would actually satisfy the demands of customers and perform for an e-commerce business. And so um, a few years ago, we started pivoting everything we were doing as a publisher towards being um, a combination of a software tool and a service arm for e-commerce businesses that needed help with content production and, and more specifically blogging.
1: Cool. So it was so getmatcher is or oh, sorry matcher the URL is getmatcher.com. So that's why I said that people listening. Um so matcher has literally come out of the problem that your advertisers were having it's like, well, we could continue selling them ad space, so we could actually solve their problem and there's probably a bigger business to be had out of that.
0: That's exactly what happened.
1: Nice. A big pivot, but um but one that given you haven't pivoted back, I'm guessing it's going quite well. But look, let's let's talk about blogging then. Let's get into that because clearly you have a lot of knowledge about blogging and which is quite unusual. I mean, putting this this part of the series together, um, it was like, right, I can find loads of people who can talk about blogging, but there's a really real scarcity of people who can talk about blogging for e-commerce stores, blogging for retail. Um, so Let's let's start kind of by flipping this on its head. Are there any e-commerce businesses who just shouldn't touch blogging with a barge pole? Or is it for everybody?
0: I don't think it's for everybody. Um, I mean, for example, a dropshipping business um, may not be the best. Uh, blogging may not be the best um, channel or tactic or strategy just because of how um, long-term its returns can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how much time it can take to actually produce returns, and if you're a drop shipping business and the margins are just razor thin, uh, it, and you're selling a commoditized product and you're not trying to differentiate on brand, you're trying to differentiate on speed and agility and and um, serving demand really rapidly. That, that's not the best time for blogging, in my opinion. The best time for blogging is when you're trying to build a brand that's going to last for a very long time, and you're needing to one answer questions about your product. In ways that are really useful to the end customer and create a better customer experience, and the other is you're needing to make the story that you believe in and the passion behind the business really apparent to people through various types of aspirational content that serves a certain lifestyle.
1: So I suppose so long as you've got that that long term view and you've got that story, then and you've got customers asking questions, then it doesn't matter what you're selling. There's blog content to be created. I think that's right. Nice. So that's all of you. Apart from the drop shippers, the drop shippers, you can tune out if you want to.
0: I might be wrong about the drop shippers, but you know we've we've talked to drop shippers before, and they they just generally don't view it as the right strategy for them because of kind of the way their businesses run. But for for brands, it, it's it's such an essential aspect of of building story
1: and i think the 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 non drop shipping side of things makes perfect sense to me because that is a business model based on quick results and quick impact you know it's can we buy advertising traffic that converts at a price that's worth it for this product we move fast we shift we we adapt and you know investing in in long term things like social and content and, and seo to an extent is not it's not part of that strategy yeah. you know it yeah. be like like an like an e-commerce business deciding to um i was going to say sponsor the super bowl but obviously that's that's a terrible example but for most e-commerce businesses sponsoring the super bowl would not be a good move um, <laughs> let, let's move on from that and get back into blogging uh, whilst i whilst i fail to think of a good example so what should we be blogging about as an e-commerce business is it about the product is it about the story is it all FAQs? What, how do we work out what to put out there?
0: Always, I find categorization so helpful for just simplifying our lives, especially when we're trying to run businesses and life's chaotic. But I think very simply what we see from our customers who, who, who uh, perform the best is there are two types of content, uh, two types of blog articles. One is very much a utilitarian type of blog article. And often that takes the form of... Uh, an article that serves to answer commonly asked questions from customers. And it can take different forms. I mean, you could see it being a simple FAQ piece, 500 words, just answering the question directly. But you could also see it taking on, you know, maybe kind of more interesting manifestations where it's a a product guide that helps a customer understand why one product that you sell is better if this is what you care about versus another product, depending on your technical use cases. So that's the bucket of utility. And the other bucket is is really about aspiration Um, and D2C brand building. uh, So much of what we're doing is we're trying to um, basically be a part of a customer's lifestyle and not only be a part of it, but enable it and inspire it. And so the ability to create blog articles that are aspirational uh, and that help that lifestyle come to fruition are really important and powerful and can be used in the context of e-commerce marketing across the full funnel. And so, um, you know, one example would be if you are selling outdoor gear and you're not helping the customer understand how to participate in outdoor recreation, you're missing an opportunity to play a part of enabling that lifestyle.
1: And if you're selling coffee and you're not telling people what to do with the coffee or you're selling uh, hair care products and you're telling them how to do their hair, then it, it's just a really obvious link that's completely disappeared, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think if, if that's what you're doing... You really kind of just focused on the product, and then the question becomes: in today's in today's environment, can you win if all you do is talk about product?
1: Yeah, probably not. If you want that long term growth,
0: we think probably not, unless you just have extreme product market fit and breakaway speed, and um, everything's perfect about what you've what you've created.
1: And have you have you found this year with all that's been going on that um, retailers are doing more content or less content, and that consumers are responding more or less to it? Has there been a shift?
0: I think that every year there's more content, um, and we certainly saw a massive spike when um, you know in March and in April with the advent of COVID, because brands wanted to start talking to their customers about COVID. Um, and so there's been a little bit of a downturn after COVID as things have started to. Um, not really return to normal, but sort of get back towards what it was before the before the initial spike. But the one thing I would maybe sort of try to um, flesh out is the volume of content that brands are producing is increasing exponentially every year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the volume of blog content is increasing exponentially each year. And what we have noticed in e-commerce marketing is that the long tail has not really gravitated towards or adopted blogging with um, what we would call great efficacy yet. Whereas the best D2C brands have done blogging exceptionally. And there's a big gap in the middle between those brands that are blogging and those that are not. Everybody's producing content, but it's you know it's typically image video. And our, our hypothesis as a business and our suggestion to brands is that Blog content as an asset and as, and the blog as a channel um, are very very important, um, but they've been but they've been under, adopt, under adopted because they don't produce um, returns at the same speed that direct response ads do or Instagram images do.
1: And do you think um, talking about the impact and the long term impact of this content is the blog content more about attracting in a new customer? or convincing someone to buy? Does that make sense? Is it it attracting people to the website, or is it making sure that when someone gets to the website, they go on to buy and they they build their relationship with that retailer?
0: I think this is one of the things that makes blogging hard is the actual blog article as an asset, depending on what its purpose is, could serve many different purposes. And so where a lot of people um, make missteps is they're not that intentional or purposeful prior to creating the blog article itself. And so they don't really know what it's trying to do, but you could create an article that's purely designed as an inbound traffic asset. You could create an article that's purely designed to answer questions that a customer has. And you could create a blog article that's designed to drive repeat purchase or increase lifetime value in the context of an email campaign. There's so many different things that you could do with the blog article, but you you often don't optimize what that asset is if you're not purposeful in the upfront creation.
1: Yeah, so if we're de- dealing with a... A frequently asked questions, one that we want our customer services team to be able to link to. So there's a good experience for people who needs that answer. Worrying too much about optimizing it for SEO is going to be a waste of time. Yeah. But if, if we're creating those kind of big, important um, story pieces about the brand and about who we are that we want to get found in the search results, then yes, SEO is going to play a part, but not to overwhelm the story. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's it's an often it's an often overlooked facet that needs to know why you're creating this blog post because you know I, I'm sure you've come across this as well as businesses that go yes we do one blog a week yeah <laughs> okay uh, is that your content strategy yes we do one blog a week okay great um, why because we should do blogs <laughs> it's like there's there's a whole a whole strategy that goes into this. So I guess let's let's cover off the really simple questions, which kind of someone doing that is has either heard bad answers to or so forth. So the question, which I'm sure there's people out there wanting the answer to is, how many blogs should we be creating a week, a month, a year?
0: So my personal opinion on this is um, <laughs> to some extent, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is how intentional you are about the type of blogging you do and that it's you have articulated a hypothesis you've articulated a strategy and then you execute against that strategy um that's way better than setting yourself up for i've got to create this many articles a month when the other way i'd answer that question is when we look at our customer base and we look at the data what we see is that those companies who have most of the most revenue Influenced by blog consumption, people have read blog articles prior to purchase. Um, those companies are on average publishing about four blog articles a month. Um, so the takeaway is there's some level of publishing frequency that matters is for the magic number. Maybe, maybe not start with what are you trying to achieve and then work yourself backward into a plan. And evaluate the results really as you go, and be iterative about it.
1: I like the fact you've given us a vague benchmark.
0: A vague benchmark,
1: <laughs> but I will, I will, I will second your point. You know, your mention on that—that that isn't necessarily the magic number. It is definitely about the content first. Um, but I think think that stopped people from going, the more blogs I do, the better we'll do, which is so not the case in this world. I like the fact that he just keeps coming back to that strategy. So we will explore strategy in a, in a moment or two. But before then, the other question, which I'm sure you get asked all the time, is how long should a blog be? How many words?
0: Again, it doesn't really matter too much. It really depends on what you're trying to achieve. If you're competing for um, relatively competitive keywords, You probably need to create assets that are, you know, 700, 900, 1,200 words. But the word count, you know, that's just one part of ranking well for a competitive search term. Um, But if you're trying to create an FAQ, you could write a 500-word blog article. If you're trying to write an aspirational piece, you know, a recipe piece, it could be a 250-word article. It really, really depends, again, on what the asset is and what that asset's purpose is.
1: And is there... Because all those numbers you've given us word counts, they're all sub 2000. So is there a point at which if we're writing, if our writing gets to like 10,000 words, should we be splitting that down into separate blog posts?
0: What we've seen is that, you know, the 10, the 2000 to 10,000 word really take the form of essay, almost journalism or analysis. I mean, that's where you see This other kind of faction of blogging becoming one of the most powerful influencers on the web is these influencer publishers who are creating blogs on Substack and creating their own newsletters and they're writing deep analyses. Mm -hmm. But these are really publishers that are monetizing niche audiences through subscription. I think that that's very different than e-commerce blogging, where, again, you're selling both a product and a story. You're not selling analytical journalism. Um, and there's a really big difference between those two types of blog articles.
1: So keep it short, sweet, and to the point.
0: I think keep it relevant to your customer. And there are so few e-commerce brands whose customers, um, are looking for 10,000 word, you know, market analysis. There are a lot of customers looking for inspiration in their life, make my life better, make my life easier. And when I come to actually engage with you, make sure that my customer experience is really, really thoughtful.
1: I so said we come back to strategy because we've, we've been talking about you've got to do it in the right ways. How does someone who's not really blogged or certainly not blogged properly in the past, how do they start pulling together that strategy? Is there like a, a copy and paste one they can start with until they see some results or, or is it more about getting back to the customer and working out what the right thing is for them?
0: I always think it comes back to the customer and maybe a good jumping off point for creative inspiration is, do you know the most frequently questions your customers ask? about your product, and then about the lifestyle that you think your product is a conduit to. We, we have a lot of experience in the outdoor apparel and recreation energy, as well as in the nutrition and fitness industry. And, you know, in the outdoor recreation industry, customers are often asking, well, where might I go this weekend? Or, you know, what's the best way to kind of like get into camping if I've never done it before? Those are kind of the aspirational questions that customers ask that brands can be um, like, you know that that can that can create real relevance between a brand and a customer. The questions that are more technical are: Why should I buy, buy this stove versus this stove? And that's where you're trying to be. Um, you're trying to demonstrate your expertise around a product's technicality for a certain audience. And there are many different audiences for each brand, often.
1: Excellent. So we start off with with a little bit of bit of research, not too hefty research. And then we can start putting the content out there. And I suppose as we go along, it's going to be a case of looking at what gets read and what has an impact and then do more of it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, what's so interesting that again, it's really hard to say here is the way to do blogging for every e-commerce brand, but there are kind of a couple of core truths. If you know what the customer asks, you have a better chance of creating a great blog strategy. And if you don't know what the customer asks, then the question is, how do you figure that out? There are lots of ways to figure that out. You've got your intuition. You've got questions that your customers ask. If you don't have a product yet and you're trying to figure it out from scratch and you're just trying to explore an open niche or market opportunity, you might start blogging about the things that you care about and see if there's any resonance. That might happen later in a business as well because there are adjacent audience segments to your core audience that you might want to try to build build inroads with. We have several customers who have a core business, a core audience, and then have used different blog articles about different subjects, different lifestyles to test those adjacent audiences. And they found real winners. And that's, that's one of those really interesting use cases of blogging to me where it can kind of see different markets, test whether there's resonance, and then inform whether or not to further invest in that, in that audience segment. Can you,
1: um, just for those who are going adjacent audience, what on earth are you talking about? Could you explain that in a little bit more detail?
0: I'll try to explain it through a basic customer example. Um, we have a, there's a company out of Seattle called Everly, um, and they sell a drink mix. So you pour the mix into water and it's got, um, all kinds of nutritional benefits and, um, their core audience as they built their business was really, um, you know, kind of middle-aged men and women who were looking to drink less soda and drink, you know, water that tasted a little bit better than regular water, but that didn't have so much sugar. And they started publishing blog articles about different types of dieting. And one of those types of dieting was the keto diet. And it turned out that people who cared about keto really liked the Everly product. That was an adjacent audience that they didn't actually know existed. And blog articles about keto happen to introduce them to an audience that they had never even thought about. Um, and it's informed a lot of how they've invested in content and advertising ever since. Um, and those are one of those, those are kind of those in really interesting discovery moments that, that can be really efficiently executed. Because to create a few blog articles about keto is very inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. But if it introduces you to a really lucrative audience segment... What what incredible return!
1: Yeah, it's kind of kind of a no brainer. So yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Nicely explained. Adjacent audiences there. So we've talked about the source book we should be writing. Who's the best person to write this content?
0: The person who's the best at writing on your team. And if you don't have, <laughs> and if you don't have somebody who's good at writing, you need to you need to think hard about um, you know if you're not willing to produce quality copywriting you should not blog. If you're not willing to make that investment, it's better to not produce something that is not quality. And so if you don't have anybody on your team that is um, a good writer, outsource it. And that's become very, very easy at this point with networks like Fiverr, um, you know, and freelancers that you might know. The world is not short of great writers. And um, as a writer, we are all looking for work. Um,
1: Especially this year. yeah.
0: Yeah. So so find good writers um, and work with them to tell the story if you're not a writer yourself or don't have somebody on your team.
1: I like that. The person who can write is, uh, is such good advice. It's, it's quite it often surprises me in businesses that the, uh, the blogging gets given to the most junior marketing person just by default, whether whether their skills lie in, lie in Google ads or whether their skills lie in copywriting. It's just like, yeah, you're the newest person on the team. Here's the blog.
0: <laughs> I really find it to be one of the most interesting things because, you know, when I look at the internet for the last 20 years, I feel like blog blog writers, they have been the most influential people on the planet, arguably. I mean, they have shaped culture, they've shaped internet trends, they've shaped commerce trends. Um, and it's really the ability to write good long-form content that has been so influential. Um, and I think what happened was over the last 10 years, as direct-to-consumer e-commerce exploded, There was a generation of marketers who just didn't have to rely on really good long form writing because advertising had become so cheap and the platforms changed the way they could interact with customers. And I think that that's changing. I think that as everyone advertises on those platforms and advertising becomes more expensive, it becomes harder to differentiate. And we see a shift back to differentiation really has a lot to do with your ability to tell a story with the written word.
1: So true. Um, you mentioned the D two C companies there, and and many of them are doing great things with blogging. Are there a couple of examples we could go and have a look at to see this in action?
0: Yeah, um, you know, so I'm trying to think of um, customers that are customers, and then brands that are not customers. But we recently created a resource uh, to answer this question, so that I don't. Um,
1: <laughs> that's cool. We'll take it. If you've got a resource, that's easy for everyone to, to, to take a look at. Let's do that.
0: Ecommerceblogs.getmatcha.com is a growing database that we've, we've started to build that highlights, um, the best direct to consumer blogs, um, across a number of different industries and categories. And some of them are our customers and many of them are not our customers. But I think it's it's a really great resource um, for those that want to look at best in class blogs across different brands.
1: Nice. That's brilliant. Because now the listeners can can go and potentially find a blog that's in their sector. So rather than us give, it, give just a couple of examples, there you go, guys, you've got loads of examples to go and get stuck into. And we'll add that link to the show notes for you. Okay, Finn, we're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of content marketing. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more way way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com/masterplan to create your free account. That's k l a v i y o.com/masterplan. Okay, Finn, we've gone deep into blogging. Um, Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of content marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with content marketing, which of course does include blogging. So Finn, you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay, let's start with the content marketing newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with content marketing, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success?
0: Okay. Uh, Very simply, they need to know that they can fall into many potholes and they can waste lots of time and money if all they focus on is production without intentionality before the production or distribution strategy post-production. In other words, don't create content just to create content. If you do, you will have a lot of sunk costs and a lot of assets that are not producing value for your business. Be very intentional about what you're creating and have a plan for its distribution and how you'll measure its success.
1: I love it. Such obvious advice when you hear it, but something a lot of us are guilty of just creating content and hoping it's going to work. Right. Now you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve content marketing performance?
0: So I think this really comes down to your marketing technology staff and how you measure um, the results of of different marketing, um, campaigns, tactics, and assets. Um, speaking very specifically about blogging, one question that we would always ask is, do you understand whether or not a blog article itself has influenced revenue? Where in the funnel has it influenced revenue? Is this a new customer or is this, um, a long time customer? And if you can't answer those questions, what about your technology stack, uh, needs to be assessed so that you can answer those questions.
1: Wow, that's got me wanting to know. And I'm going to now ask you, um, so what sort of tech stack things are you meaning in there? Is this this like a better Google Analytics installation or is there something specific we should be using?
0: You could answer that question with Google Analytics, um, but probably not out of the box. And so the question is, do you have the internal resources to go set up Google Analytics so that you have that depth of insight? If you don't, there are apps out there. Matcha is one. There are other tools that you can use to have a much more intuitive and clear insight into the influence of a blog article. That doesn't encompass all content marketing. It doesn't encompass your Instagram images or your YouTube videos. And So depending on the channel, depending on the content asset itself, the medium, you have to make sure that you've got the tools in place to measure the assets performance on the business.
1: Cool. Thank you for that. Uh, okay, it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we are monitoring the performance. But the list of stuff we could monitor, as we've just touched on, can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one content marketing
0: KPI? Um, mm, probably to satisfy an answer, it depends. Uh, it depends on where you are in your business life cycle. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. You might be in a position where it's all about brand awareness. And so the KPI that matters the most is engagement or traffic. Um, you might be in a phase of your business where it's all about reducing your reliance on paid. So the KPI is really about inbound organic traffic. Um, there's no single answer to that question at all. It all it all comes back to what, what what's going on with the business and what are you trying to achieve over the next six months to a year?
1: It comes back to what what you were saying earlier about you need that strategy in place first and that determines the KPI. You need to know the intent before you start doing anything or inevitably you're going to get into trouble. I like the consistency we're building here. Okay, (laughs) uh, finally, Finn, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in content marketing?
0: I think that most of the world would tell you that we need to prepare for a continuation of... Uh, video-based commerce. I and mean, we see the power of platforms like TikTok and Snap and um, Instagram. I mean, everything seems to be video. We might be a little bit contrarian in that. We, we think that that's um, not necessarily a fad, but it's um, not representative to us of something that's kind of silently happening underneath everything else, which is a demand for quality and curation and um, deeper explanations of the world and how to live life. And that's a little abstract, but that type of content that could produce those types of interactions with a customer is written content. And so our, our point of view is that over the next six months, year, next five years, we should all be prepared for Written content that's longer form to become much more central to e-commerce success than it has been over the last ten years.
1: I like that the resurgence of written content. I think, it, I mean, video gets a lot of press, and I often think it's purely because it's what the algorithms on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, etc., are prioritizing. So the social platforms like video because. We as humans like watching video, but it's not. It, you shouldn't fill your website full of video. You need to put easier to consume things, if that makes sense, on there. Yeah, yeah it's a good. It's a good point, Finn. I like it. I like it.
0: <laughs> we could be um, wrong. But that's, what, that's what we think.
1: Yeah, let, let's go with it. Um, look, we are nearly at the end of the show, and we really ought to let the listeners know where they can find well, a bit more about Matcha and where they can find out more about Matcha too. So, um, could you take us through that, please, Finn?
0: Our website is um, getmatcha.com. We're also in the Shopify app store. We think of ourselves as an all-in-one blogging platform for direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands, especially those on Shopify as our best integrations are with Shopify at this point. But with the Matcha platform, you can um, create great blog articles. We have templates uh, to accelerate your production, get, you, get your creative juices flowing, make it faster. Um We have tools that allow you to very easily drop in products and product collections and other e-commerce elements like forms and eventually social content, EGC content. You can publish it directly to your Shopify blog or your WordPress blog. We have intuitive analytics um, to help you understand whether or not somebody who's read a blog has actually purchased a product from you and how blog articles are influencing your funnel. And for those of you who don't have any content or need to supplement content, we have a large marketplace of content that we've aggregated from best in class publishers that are particularly useful in the context of social campaigns or email campaigns. Um, it's a relatively large and broad platform, but um, we we really are kind of designing it to be a tool that is very, very specifically focused on the challenges that e-commerce marketers face when they when they try to get into blogging and do it really well.
1: Nice, and we can find that at getmatcha.com. That's right.
0: Getmatcha.com, isn't it? and we, the name is it's the tea, it's it's a it's a reference to the tea. Um, I was not a matcha drinker myself, but I learned a lot about matcha, and it has very sustained energy lift. Um, if you if you get into into the tea, which is different than caffeine, which is very spiky, and so the symbolism for us is blogging has very sustained lift on companies if they invest in it correctly. And uh, as does matcha for the drinker of the tea.
1: Nice. I, like, I have been wondering why you're named after green tea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like, Finn, thank you so much for coming on the Keep Optimizing podcast. I think, I hope you've made blogging a lot clearer for the audience out there um, that it's not just about the words. It's about getting your plan in place and making that right. So uh, so thanks so much for coming on the, on the show and sharing so much insight with us. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So there you have it, everyone. That is your to-do list. If you want to get started or take your blogging to the next level, I guess the first key thing is to remember that it's a long-term strategy, not a short-term solution. So it's going to something you're going to be investing in. Then to consider what the reason is for creating this. So that strategy, that intent piece that that Finn was was really focused on there. That if you don't know why to serve, what purpose you're creating a piece of content. Is it to build a greater relationship with your customers? Is it to attract traffic? Is it to help customers who are on your site who need answers? Is it to to attract an adjacent audience? You really need to know that in order to then work out what content you need to create and to work out how you're going to report on and analyze the performance of that content. You can get links to everything we discussed, including that amazing resource of great e-commerce blogs. Well worth checking out if you're looking for ideas or you're not quite sure how to get started. Um, We'll put links to that and everything else we discussed together with the full transcript of this episode, important notes, and much more at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S not a Z. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast, and as you do, tune in week after week. I really do appreciate it. It's very cool to see the numbers going up and to know I'm helping you all. Now, this month, there is no webinar. Because of Christmas and New Year diary issues, it was just proving impossible to pull it together, so apologies for that. But it does give you time to catch up on any of our past episodes that you've missed. Key ones that build on our conversation with Finn today are Customer Personas with Lucy Bloomfield. That was episode 11 and one that we haven't released yet, um, but is coming up very soon with uh, Shane Tilly from 99designs. Who, yes, we are talking a bit about how to create great graphics. But we also get deep into how they rebuilt their whole content strategy. Uh, So, quite a bit on blogging in that one, too. That's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to our next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing.
0: Access everything, keep optimizing at KeepOptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.